The scripture reading today comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. First, let us pray. Merciful God, grant us your wisdom that we would hear your word with open ears and willing hearts. Amen. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the squares, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, have stretched out my hand and no one heeded, and because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you, when panic strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple and the complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever read much of the book of Proverbs? If you haven't, it's a collection of wise sayings, seemingly gathered together with no discernible pattern. Scholars like to say that this book is the loose canon within the canon, completely inexplicable, a bunch of pithy lines that are easy to say and hard to forget, like these. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained with a righteous life. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without sense. The eye that mocks the father and scorns to obey the mother will be pecked out by ravens and eaten by vultures. But Proverbs aren't just limited to the Bible. Every culture, every people, every tradition has them. Surely you've heard these ones. The grass is always greener on the other side. A watched pot never boils. The early bird catches the worm. 
The thing about Proverbs is that wherever you find them, their wisdom is practical. They offer guidance for the ordinary moments of life. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. People who live in glass houses should not throw stones. When your head is in the lion's mouth, treat the lion gently. That last one came from a teacher of mine, the Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon. Now I've been thinking about Dr. Cannon a lot lately. The third anniversary of her death was earlier this month. She was the first black woman ordained in the Presbyterian Church. She was the first woman to earn a PhD from Union Seminary in New York City. She was one of the foundational voices in womanist theology. It is, I believe, actually impossible to overstate her influence on the church. She taught ethics at Union Seminary in Richmond, teaching both Molly and myself. And if you ask me, her classes were the most intimidating of them all, though it would take me a while to pinpoint why. But we'll come back to that. In her book, Inspired, Rachel Held Evans, she talks about her journey with the Bible from growing up in a fundamentalist home and growing into a faith that embraced radical acceptance. She says at an early age, she was taught that the Bible was an owner's manual for life. She was taught to refer to it as her B-I-B-L-E, her basic instructions before leaving earth. Now, there's something appealing about that, I think, because who among us doesn't want some instruction? Who doesn't want a how-to guide to daily living, right? How do you care for aging parents? How do you maintain civility in an increasingly uncivil time? How do we manage both expenses and generosity? How do you approach overworking or underemployment? How do you decide homeschool or classroom, masked or unmasked? Direction these days would be nice. But what Rachel Held Evans learned, and what I suspect you already know, is that life cannot abide with something as simple as an Ikea manual where everything is spelled out step by step, sometimes even with pictures. There is no single easy answer for most of life's questions. Proverbs itself contains contradictory pieces of wisdom. One moment its wisdom actually seems to demean the poor, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now that one on its own actually turns my stomach. It seems to pay no heed to systemic poverty and looks only at laziness rather than class or race or generational iniquity, education, and a whole host of other complex dynamics. Though in the next breath, Proverbs says, defend the rights of the poor. A righteous man knows the needs of the poor and extends generosity. Here's another pair. This one is one of my favorites. Do not answer fools according to their folly 
or you will be a fool yourself. Answer fools according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. If we try to reduce the wisdom of Proverbs to simple questions and answers, we end up spinning in circles, like dogs chasing our own tails, exerting all sorts of energy, and potentially doing all sorts of damage without actually getting anywhere. But here's something interesting about this book. If you were to read it with a crayon or a highlighter in hand, and you made a mark every time the word way or path appeared, your Bible would end up looking like a Candyland board game, where almost every square you land on is brightly colored. What I think this tells us is that wisdom is a path. It's not a static list of shoulds or a ream of rigid rules. It's a journey we take one step at a time, one situation at a time. Bill Brown is professor of Old Testament at Columbia Seminary. He's one of the leading scholars on this book. And he says, to live in wisdom's world is to experience the delight of discernment and to walk the communal path she forges, a path that is like the light of day, shining brighter and brighter until full day. But the full day that ushers in all knowledge and insight never arrives within any given lifetime, he says. In wisdom's eyes, there are no true grown-ups. The quest for wisdom is ever ongoing, and progress along the way comes only in baby steps. Wisdom itself insists that not everything is measured and neat, cut and dry. There is always something new for us to learn. My friend Meg is the parent of three young girls including six-year-old twins, who are, she says, the pickiest eaters who have ever walked the earth. They can moan and groan and argue about everything from broccoli to even brownie batter, she says. And she has memorized this proverb, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. She shared this at a recent meeting, lost in a full-fledged daydream about eating a piece of dry toast in a quiet house, when someone interrupted her and said, I bet a lot of people would choose the strife when they're lost sitting lonely at night. Because better is a dry morsel with quiet, except when it's not. Or another line from Proverbs, like vinegar on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. When I am profoundly sad, I really don't want you to stand there singing the sun will come out tomorrow. That is just the honest truth, except when it's not. Because sometimes when I'm sad, singing can be the only thing that will crack my heart open and allow healing to seep in. Wisdom's way is situational. 
It depends always on circumstance. And it tells us that real wisdom isn't just knowing what is true. It's knowing when it's true, too. So thank goodness that in this book we encounter wisdom personified. I haven't forgotten we're in the middle of a sermon series. There's someone I'd like you to meet. Over the weeks we've met the beloved disciple and Joseph of Arimathea, Tabitha and Yodia and Syntyche and James and a few others still besides. And today we encounter wisdom personified. Scripture calls her Lady Wisdom. She's the one who watches over us and issues these Proverbs to us. And when John read from Proverbs chapter 1 just a few minutes ago, he told us how she goes about this task. Wisdom cries out in the street, he read. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. You see, wisdom is not locked up in a tower somewhere or hidden away behind lock and key or password and power. She's right there in the mix of our everyday living. Wisdom is driving down Divine Street, sitting on the steps of the State House, waiting in line at school drop-off, waiting even longer for a table at Lula Drake, and picking up coffee across the street at Azalea. She's in the midst of our daily routines, and she is crying out to everyone, no matter their age, faith, class, education, race, gender, expression, orientation, political party. She is not particular about who hears her, because according to her, anyone willing to listen will learn. It gets a bit rough there, though, because the next thing Lady Wisdom says is, how long will you love being simple? How long will you delight in your scoffing? How long will you hate knowledge? She has some hard words to hear, but I've become convinced that those harsh words come not from a place of detached anger, but from a place of deeply concerned and irreversibly invested love. That teacher of mine, Dr. Cannon, she was not known for easy classes. She was not known for giving high grades. And yet students literally from across the country at every level of theological education flocked to her, both because of what she taught and the way she taught it. Students signed up for her classes knowing that we would not be coddled. We would be challenged. Not long before she died, she was asked in an interview why do you nurture students the way you do? And she said, before I began to mentor and nurture students, there were others who mentored me. There were teachers, and there was my grandma Rosie. She taught me to love reading. I was then, and I am now, always reading and creating, because what I want to do is take the best from the black teachers that formed me 
and bring that to my teaching. Every black teacher I had told me, I'm going to give you the best I have, and then I want you to take it and make it better. She said, that is how I approach nurturing and mentoring my students. That is my ministry to offer. I think that is Lady Wisdom's ministry too. Not to coddle, but to challenge. Giving us the very best she has so that we can take it and make it better. Lady Wisdom's deep desire is that human life flourish, which is why she occasionally has to speak with such an edge. She is invested in us and in the world. So follow my way, she says. Follow my way, and you will find life. Wisdom doesn't say, follow me, and it will be easy. She says, follow me, because the struggle is worth it. Dr. Cannon's classes were hard, because she walked the way of wisdom and asked us to come along. Her lessons never allowed us to read and repeat, to study and spout back. It was never about learning facts and soaking up knowledge. We had to journey through it because in her classes, it was never what you believed that you were evaluated on. It was how you came to believe it. There was no roadmap provided and there was not even a correct destination. You could disagree with her completely as long as you could explain how you came to your position and stand behind it with faithfulness and integrity, and so long as you were willing to listen as others did the same. So it's every year around this time that Dr. Cannon's students share memories of our teacher We have different stories and different favorite anecdotes, and even sitting in the same classroom, we learned a variety of lessons. But every one of us remembers this. Near the end of every semester, she would say, we're coming in for a smooth landing, a nice, smooth landing. Because her habit was to push us throughout the entire semester as hard as she possibly could, unrelenting in her desire that we learn as much as possible. But toward the end of that semester, when every other class was gearing up for a final exam or a comprehensive paper, her classes were gearing down. You've struggled enough, she would say. You've done your work. You have found out something new about who you are and why. You've discovered how you will make your way through this world. Class isn't over, she said, but you can take a deep breath. Because right now, all of us, we're coming in for a smooth landing. I think that's ultimately what we all want. That's what Proverbs and Lady Wisdom herself want so desperately for us. 
for ours to be a life so well lived and so thoughtfully considered, so intentionally faithful, that no matter what the circumstances around us may be, we never lose sight of God's ultimate promise. And we can always claim God's ultimate promise for our lives, that in all the ways that matter most, we are indeed coming in for a nice, smooth landing. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.